Hello and welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyke. And with me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He is here. He's Maybe. remote again. He's on the road. Mike Merkel, the most popular guy in the state of Michigan. For his last week, he's filming a movie. This week, he's up there for a buddy's bachelor party. Mike is quite literally the most popular man in the world. Mike, yeah. what's going on, buddy? Um... You want to do any shout outs? Whose bachelor party you're at in case they listen to the show? Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, he's a big sports guy, right? <laughs> yeah, literally everyone I'm here with. Uh, yeah, Peter Provenzano <laughs> yeah. getting married in uh, August, little middle P-pump. of August. Little P pump. So, little P pump. So yeah. congrats to him. We're, I, I'm, I'm the best man for this wedding, so I had to be here. So Oh, you are? I didn't know you were the yeah. best man, too. I'm the best man. So, I, I, yeah. Uh, not yet. Okay. I can't, well, I can't tell him that. Oh, we gotta cut that out. Uh, <laughs> I know we don't cut things here, but uh, yeah, no, we are uh, we're figuring things out. But yeah, I literally left the bachelor party to do this. So you're welcome, viewers. Exactly. What we do Mike, here. Mike Merkel devoted to the cause, texting me. We're doing this late at night on a Saturday. Uh, lots yeah, of stuff. Really hoping that. Really hoping that you were free. Oh yeah, minute. no, you sure. were cool. Yeah, you know, you know, we know, you know, we know how to do this. Sometimes I gotta text you, and be like, hey, I'm not gonna be home. You're flexible. I'm flexible. It's what what's what we do best, Mike. We plan it. Yeah. We make sure every single Monday, 7 a.m., we're delivering the goods. And that's exactly what we're doing here tonight. Yeah. Uh, we're getting ahead of it for sure. Before we get too far into this, Mike, do want to once again say thank you to our sponsor, Righteous Felling Craft Jerky, for sponsoring the show. 15% off all your craft jerky needs. Just go to RighteousFelon.com. Use our code ALWAYSRIGHT, all one word, for 15% off. Really hope you guys took advantage of the 20% off Father's Day sale. But if you didn't, don't worry. We still got great deals for you. Every single product on RighteousFelon.com's website is affected with our code. 15% off. That's always right for 15% off at RighteousFelon.com. We really, really do appreciate um them stepping up to the plate and uh, supporting the show. And we really appreciate you all by going uh, to Righteous Felon and buying some delicious, delicious jerky. So hopefully we can get through that. But uh, Mike, we got a loaded show. We got the NBA draft. We got to talk about and some fallout for your Detroit Pistons. We've got money in the bank. We've got AEW collision. We've got the first of many NFL divisional positional rankings that we did last year, start finishing that off. We're going into our second year of that, which I'm really excited about. Obviously this week, we're not talking about forbidden door because we still don't know the results of that. That'll be a next week's show. Uh, but Mike, we have a, we got a loaded one. You want to ready to jump on in? Yeah, let's jump in. Let's go. All right. All right. So NBA draft, it happened. It was a thing. Um, they do what they, every year they do. Um, is, is that the number one complaint? I think it is for me at least that the number one pick, even when it's a presumed number one pick, it's like, okay, we already know who it's going to be. Can you just make the pick instead of waiting mm-hmm. the entire time? And not only waiting the entire clock, then we got to talk about the same guy that we're going to talk about again for the next 10 minutes before he's picked. And then we're going to do the exact same thing when he's picked. Yeah. The, uh, I, I heard Victor Wembanyama's name. Yeah, like like seventeen too many times. I think exactly. exactly. It was. I think it was a little. I and I. I, I honestly, I feel bad for the kid a little bit because mm-hmm. the expectations that people are putting on oh him are crazy. absolutely unbelievable. Like I'm actually, it's like in a weird sense, mm-hmm. almost like glad that he's not going to be a piston because then everyone would be like, "Wow, first year and you're not in the finals. What's <laughs> going on, Victor?" 
and it's gonna be like really like like that's your expectation jump like with a really like it's like one of those like come on man that's crazy yeah so i'm like literally they expect him to come in and be like so you're gonna be a championship contender in three years and i'm like I, I mean, first maybe, team is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like we didn't just see Denver, and everyone just talk about how unbelievable and unstoppable Denver is. So you think Wembanyama right. is going to walk in and just beat up Denver? I don't think so. Yeah. You think um, they're going to go beat up Anthony Davis in the lake? I don't think so. Like yeah. I don't know. I think these expectations are just a little LeBron like right now, and, I, yeah. and it's hard to it's hard to live up to that. Well, and, you know, the thing is, right, it's like they've never seen somebody like him. And I get it, right? Seven foot five the, with the handles that he has, the shooting that he has. However, he's also um, the stick man. So I'm very interested to see how he's going to be able to hold up in a NBA season, right, against these dudes who are thick. Nicole Jokic, you go against him four or five times a year, he's going to back you down. You know, he's going right. to gonna be physical with you. So I'm very fascinated with that. So, yeah, clearly, you know, he's going one. Um, do you want to go through the top couple or do you want to skip right to the Pistons? Was there any real shock between the, in the top three or before after before the Pistons two or three? Uh, or I mean, two and three, I think it was uh, order dependent. I yeah. think everyone knew it was yep. going to be Scoot and uh, Brandon Miller. Yep. I think it just depended on which one Charlotte was going to take and which one um, – Portland was going to be left with basically because right. those are going to be, and then I think four was kind of when people would be like, okay, this is when the draft really starts in terms of four through 10, 11, 12 ish. Yeah. We're all kind of relatively the same type of players. Right. And so it was kind of like, all right, what's your preference at four, five, and six? Uh, so I don't think there was any real shock. I mean, um, you know, Victor, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, Amon Thompson, and then we pick Ossard. Or Oscar Thompson. Yep. I mean, I don't think there's anything that's like blown you away on any of those that were out of left field or anything. Right. Let me let, let's talk about the Pistons pick, right? A Sir Thompson, the, the the second of the two twins to get drafted, right? So clearly sure. Houston and Detroit are priming to battle each other for that 20th, that captivating 20th win every year against mm-hmm. one another. Um, talk to me about this kid, Mike. You you watch a little more college basketball than I do, and that's an understatement of the century. I don't know why I say that little, clearly a lot more. Well, so uh, I I can't speak a ton. So he, I know he played like, for the Thompson. overtime elite. He played yeah. for the overtime elite. So yeah. uh, he was actually in college, and yeah. so I don't have you know the deepest knowledge of the twins. Uh, talking to Josh last week, I yep. uh, hope I probably listened to that more because he kind of broke down some of these prospects, especially at the top ones here. Um, I forgot which Thompson brother he liked more, but he liked one certainly a lot more than the other. Right. Um, and I think there was one that's gradually better than the other one in everyone's eyes um i just don't exactly remember so which one and the fit and everything yeah. he is slightly bigger than his brother he's right. kind of more of the guard forward spot where his brother's right. more of a, a point guard at a shooting guard spot which yeah. probably fits better with our mold of the did, did that did that concern you at all positional value right everybody's like listen they need wing they need wing help clearly right yeah. um and I, I guess he's going to play the wing. I guess that's that's yeah. I guess the the speculation is that he's supposed to be a defensive guy, right? Like he's supposed to be able to be. He's going to be the guy, quote unquote, that's going to guard the other team's best player. Yeah, whatever. Uh, that yeah, means. I mean, so he's he's a six seven two oh four, you know, body player. Yeah. Um, listed him as a know, guard in the draft, and I was like, that's not yeah, shooting guard. I mean, he's a huge shooting guard, if anything, yeah. that because right. he's much bigger than that size. It's probably like an average size small forward. Um, I mean, going into the season, uh, I mean, I think this was a positional uh, need get 
by yeah. the Pistons here. Right. I think you probably could have gone um, a couple other routes that were either guards or, or bigger players. Yeah. But picking him, now you kind of have a very um, obvious starting five going into next year that's not really debatable. You right. go your your Cade, Jaden, uh, Thompson, Boyan, Jalen Duran. That's your five. And you're and they're good. And that's it. So there's not a lot of wiggle room or debate about it, I don't think. I think it's basically right. that. Um so I guess if you're a Pistons fan and you want some optimism, at least you know, okay, here's the starting five, and this is gonna be your plan starting five probably of the future. Right. Um, outside maybe Boyan Bogdanovich getting traded at like the deadline or this offseason. Um, other than that, this is gonna be your five, and then you just have to fill out the bench a little bit. So Right. See what Speaking of the bench, right, the, the Pistons trade up later on in the draft, trade away pick 31 and two future seconds to get Marcus Sasser, the guard out of Houston. I think he's primarily a point guard. I think he averaged like 16.6 points a game, um, a little bit undersized. Once again, another guy that is heavily relied upon for his defensive position availability. Um, this was a pick. I understood the Thompson pick. I don't I don't love the Thompson pick. I don't really love taking a guy this high who his shooting is suspect. You know, when the first thing someone says about a prospect is shooting needs work and I go and you're a basketball player, that scares me. This kid, uh-huh. he's a scorer. However, he's a bit undersized and I don't really know where he fits. Like you traded up to go get him. So clearly you you have him highly rated on your board yet where's he going to play? Like I, I like yeah. right off the top, I got three guys who can be point guard for that second rotation, right? Cade, Jaden and Killian Hayes are all point guards that you can tend or people you can put at the quote unquote at the one position. And now you've got this kid. I just don't know where he fits and he's a mm-hmm. first round pick and you're, you traded up to get him and you gave away future assets. So clearly you have a plan. I'm just a little bit confused as to what the hell that plan's going to be. Does that mean that they're going to, I mean, he's just, is he going to play shooting guard? Are they moving Killian off the point? I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know what the plan would be for another point guard at this point. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's been announced to me. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, I think their bench is something that they're going to really need to figure out. Yeah. Um, and I think I, w- I honestly wouldn't hate the idea of trading Boyan now, uh, yes. knowing who we picked and yeah. getting, to you know, average kind of do like kind of the Denver or not the Denver, uh, the Dallas route yeah. where they kind of traded their pick, moved down a little bit, but they got um the, the kid out of Sacramento, uh, right. Holmes, yep. Richard Holmes, just mm-hmm. kind of as like extra a defensive extra depth piece there. Um, and obviously then drafted someone after that. Like if you could trade Boyan and get you know maybe one or two younger or even like middle age good rotational pieces or take well, out a bad also contract maybe, or something or take out yeah take out one or two bad contracts if you can just to, you know fill out the roster get seven eight guys that you can trust in there um i don't think that's actually a terrible move for the business at this point yeah like what your lineup's looking like yeah and we, you know and we're going to talk more nba free agency in the next couple of weeks obviously when that obviously hits on the 6th of july but um what you know, you're hearing the rumors. Okay, the Pistons are interested in bringing back Jeremy Grant. The Pistons are interested um, in a couple other guys, and you're like, okay, that's fine. Um, but you know, you're, I'm still trying to figure out what the what the plan is, right? Like, I'm still trying to fully understand what the what the goal 
is of this basketball team because I, you know, Monty Williams is great, but man, they need talent. They need people who can come in here and play. And I don't really know where that's coming from right now. So I'm very interested to kind of see, I'm going to, I'm going to wait to withhold judgment until I see what they do in free agency. You know, that's kind of my, um, that's kind of my, you know, where I'm at with it. Um, is that fair judgment on your part? Can you sorry? Can you say that one more time? Yeah, that's no, okay. Sorry, sorry no, that we're, we're some, I, we kind of yeah we we kind of issues. I, I was I was saying that you know I'm I'm willing to withhold judgment both on the draft and kind of the roster build until we hit free agency and until I see them make whatever move or moves that they're going to make. Yeah, you know, use yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this this is one of those uh, wait until more like September late yeah. August to really go, okay, here's the team. Right. Monty Williams is the coach. How do we feel? Right. Uh, Cause I do think there are moves to be made for this business team, whether it's the Boyan thing or it's training, you know, Killian for stuff or whatever it may be. There's a couple guys you can move around uh, right. that can improve this team right now. Um, right. So I think that's kind of, we got, it's just a waiting game at this point. For sure. For sure. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to talking about NBA free agency in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll probably hit on the Red Wings draft next week as well. Uh, post show. Obviously, we don't we didn't get the number one pick. We're not getting Connor Bedard. So pick nine. Who the hell? Name me the top nine prospects in the NHL draft. I will pay you a thousand dollars right now because you can't do it. There's no this <laughs> is no way it's happening. Too much of the world to cover in that one. Um, But <laughs> let's shift focus. Let's talk AEW collision. Uh, the debut episode was last weekend. CM Punk making his long-awaited return. Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think we need to go, you know, highlight for highlight on the show, Mike. Um, but I do want to just talk about the overall feel, the presentation, the commentary, all that stuff. I genuinely did feel like this was a different show than mm-hmm. Dynamite, which I actually really enjoyed. It felt refreshing. It felt like okay. We're kind of kicking off a new thing. It felt like the first couple episodes of Dynamite where you were like, mm-hmm. and I don't know what's coming, left, right, whatever. That's what that first episode of Collision felt like for me. Yeah, and I think if they keep the same type of feel, yeah. and not even feel, but like you could feel that there are guys who are going to be utilized on yes. Collision yes. and guys who are going to be utilized on Dynamite like we talked about, right. but there's also the infusion of Dynamite guys in Collision and Collision right. guys on Dynamite. Like, so it's, you're not doing the, they're doing what WWE is doing without actually saying it. Yeah. WWE is, oh, we're doing a brand split, but then every episode is all, everyone coming. Like, they just AJ did that Raw. Yeah, AJ Styles is on Raw. All the money and the big guys are on Raw, but then they all go to SmackDown the next. It's like, so it's like, it's not really a brand split, but they say it's a brand split. This right. is like the same feel where they're saying, like, it's like a soft split. Like, you're going to have like Punk on Collision the elite on dynamite but you know um when those guys like if punk doesn't show up for one the elite can go over there you know miro's gonna be on there it looks like andrade might be a, a cat a usual on collision also yep. um so those guys are gonna be collision guys but can also mingle with the dynamite guys which is like the perfect way to do a two main show split i feel like it, and, and like in 2023 i think like 15 20 years ago it's always nice to do the hard split in the middle. I just don't think that works anymore with social media and all that stuff. I think it's nice to just have the best talent possible flowing between more hours of TV. Right. And you can, and you can, you can leverage that top tier talent, right. Where they can float between both, but it allows the other hour and 45 minutes of your show to be 
you know, to other talent, right. And to yeah. showcase some better talent and to showcase guys that maybe you just don't have time for. Um, I'm still a little weary about this Saturday night time slot, right? Well, I'm very interested to kind of see how that progresses. Yeah. I think, I think the Saturday one, I mean, it doesn't work well with a lot of older, I think as a kid, Saturday yes. would have just been the greatest yeah. thing ever. If you're in sixth and grade, I, you're yeah, loving sixth grade. This is the best thing ever. Cause it's like, what are you doing on a Saturday night normally? You know what I mean? As you know, anytime before sophomore year or freshman year, probably. Yeah. Um. So I think if you're like elementary school or early, you know, middle school or something, and you like wrestling, that you couldn't have gotten better news that you're getting a Saturday night show. Right. You get SmackDown on Friday night, and then you get Collision on Saturday night. Both prime shows that you can watch without any kind of restriction, probably or anything. Probably a good feeling for them. You know what's crazy is now, like on certain pay per view days, right? Like this week, Monday was Raw, Tuesday was NXT, Wednesday was Dynamite, Thursday, I guess, was your day off. Yeah, well, you have like impacts if impact you want to, right? Friday, you've got Rampage, Smack- SmackDown. Saturday, you've got Collision. Sunday, you've got Forbidden Door. Monday, you go right back yeah. to the Raw. It just and then you go all the way to Money in the Bank because that's Saturday. Also, yes, like exactly. you really have like two straight weeks of wrestling exactly literally every that. day if you want. Exactly. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Right? It, it's wild to me how with the infusion of you know new companies and new brands, you're just like, man, if you're a wrestling fan, now is the time, right? And if you're yeah. not and you're interested and you want to get in, now is the time too because holy shit, you couldn't ask for more talent. There has never been this amount of abundance of available content from the yeah. wrestling space than ever before. And thing too is with Collision, I feel like every show is a little bit different. Outside yeah. maybe, I think Raw and SmackDown are the closest to similarity with each yeah, other. They've been around the longest. And they've been around the longest yeah. and everything. But like, if you want to watch like brand new guys you've never heard of, you watch NXT. Right. If you want to watch, you know, Raw and SmackDown because they're the flagship WWE shows. And then if you want to watch, you know, more, I, I feel like Dynamite is going to become the more campy, like story TV, story-driven fun show. Yeah. And I feel like Collision is going to turn into, we're going to put on 30-minute bangers kind yeah. of feel. And so it's it kind of depending on each week. It's like, man, I really want some good wrestling. You probably watch Collision. If you want good storytelling, you watch Dynamite or Raw or SmackDown. Right. I feel like each show is kind of unique now, too. So it's like, whatever you're feeling that week, mm-hmm. you kind of get a little mix of everything. So I I'm, did, I'm very interested to kind of see as Collision goes if we start at some point, and this maybe goes hand in hand with AEW potentially getting onto a streaming service at some point here mm-hmm. where I could very much see a situation where, okay, we've got dynamite. We've got an hour rampage, which I feel like at some point it's going to need to do something different because I don't think it's going to sure. last. Um, but with collision as well, I won't be shocked in the next couple of years to see them go to a full 12, eight to 12 pay-per-view schedule because yeah. now you've got those extra two hours of television where you can kind of progress stories maybe a little bit faster, right? Or create mm-hmm. sub stories where, hey, these are worthy of a pay per view match. I won't be shocked to see them go to that because I think the money at some point is going to get too good. Yeah, I think there's a there's like a happy. I don't I don't think twelve for AEW because I think that's just that's why I said eight. That's oh, why I said over. Eight. I think that's the overload number. Yeah. Um, because of all the TV and everything you have on there and the talent pool you have, I think twelve too many. I do think eight to nine. Mm-hmm. Where you do like every six weeks ish, right? Um, I think that's a really good number to like. Mm-hmm. You can build up enough stories in that six weeks, and you can have a couple of long term ones that lead into your big four, right. your revolutions, full gears. Mm-hmm. But you can do your fighter fest, fight for the fallens, right? You know, all of those in a four, five, six week span. I think it right. works really well. Yeah, I am. I'm fascinated. I do want to ask you, um, as we wait for Mike to reconnect here, 
we're having some technical dif- difficulties. Um, I did want to, you know, I did want to bring up too. You back with me? You hear me? Oh yeah, I, I was here that whole time. Oh, okay, you sorry. sorry, your video sorry, froze on my. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you one kind of storyline question though. I guess this is a two parter about the punk stuff. Okay, before we get to Money in the Bank, sure. um, thoughts on Punk coming out with an AEW championship in the bag and calling mm-hmm. out MJF off mic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you feel um, like Tony Khan's going to try to go, well, that's where we wanted to go last summer, and now he's back. So now we'll just kind of try to rewrite the script and kind of go right back to it. <laughs> so, yeah, I th- I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people to grasp because I do think at the end of the day, yep. like money-wise and everything, yeah. If you if you wanted to really put the biggest match possible, mm-hmm. I think Punk MDF in a quote unquote un, air quotes yeah. unification match is probably the biggest bucks. Like we we talked about with the Moxley Punk thing, where it's like, oh, that's the biggest bucks, title for title, all out. Like you can't do much bigger. Right. Punk and MGF, where MGF is at right now, and just Punk mm-hmm. being CM Punk in general. I, I mean, that's yes, that's some major numbers. The big worry comes in is, you, I don't think you have Punk win though. Yeah, exactly. You can't do that again. Right. So it's like you. That's 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 your big caveat. Is you can't really have him win, right. but I think it's fun to have yeah. that idea out there. I was honestly a little it. worried that he was going to take out a new belt and like yeah. have like oh collisions got their world champion. I was so, like, no, don't do it. I, I think I think so because MGF switched the yeah the uh, he switched to the the caramel or the caramel. Yeah, yeah, whatever that, it was, the, the scarf you, type, like yeah, whatever it's yeah. like. I think I think the one in his in Punk's is probably the black strap, right? Yeah, title, you know, obviously because right. then because uh, MGF changed it, so I think it's like mine's the real one because it's the black strap, and you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm very fascinated with that, right? I, I I'm I'm very fascinated with the with the thought of you know how do they spin punk not losing the title that's an interesting kind of uh, proposition so that's that's a that's yeah. you know something that's interesting second thing i want to ask you is he did take some jabs at the elite mm-hmm. you know the you know the the box comment and some other stuff um i thought that was a little bit weird if there's really no plans on doing any real story with between mm-hmm. them right i think that's a little bit awkward um I, yes, I the interesting thing was was Dave Meltzer was coming out mm-hmm. hard defending that because yeah. there, there was the big line of like something about the bucks or something. Yeah, like yeah. he had bucks in it, but he apparently he was talking about like actual money, like how much of a draw he is comparatively to a young bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think a lot like people were taking everything kind of like I want to say out of context because because yeah. like you like because with punk obviously you think it's gonna be a thing. But I don't know if all the intentions were actually there or not. I think all I think his entire promo was very like you could take it like five different ways yeah, and everything I, he said. I really, basically. Yeah, I enjoyed. And I loved a lot of open. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I I enjoyed the you know tell me where I'm lying right show me the lie. like I loved that like he kept going sure. back to that I thought that was really strong and I was like okay I I love the fact that they opened with it. And then he came out, right, did his little monologue. I dug it. I know some hardcore veterans of the industry and stuff like that were like, you shouldn't have said this, that, and the other thing. I was like, I I, I at least like the fact that he went out, he he, he kind of took 
the show by the balls and he went, look, this is what's going on. Here's what's happening. And we're immediately just going to disregard what happened and we're just going with it. Right. And we're just going to go, all right, we got to, we got to keep moving forward. We got to keep pushing because otherwise no one's going to let us go forward. Right. We just got to mm-hmm. push and go for it. So I dug it. I thought it was a great episode to start out with. Um, You know, I, you know, they're just getting going. Right. So it's an interesting kind of uh, proposition there. Um, let's shift focus though. Let's get to money in the bank predictions, Mike. This one has got everybody all up in a tiz. You know, money in the bank is it's kind of like the rumble now, right? Where if things go right, it's like that was a great show. And if things go wrong, people go, Wow, that was the worst show ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am nervous. I'm not gonna lie to you, Mike. I'm I'm nervous for this for this money in the bank. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm disappointed in some capacity. I'm excited in others, and I'm also scared shitless. That I'm I've got the whole gamut of emotions for this. Sure, show. and I I totally understand all of that. <laughs> uh, I'm a hundred percent. I can't for everything. It's gonna be really um, hard. Is, is Money in the Bank on a Saturday this year? It is. It's okay. uh for everyone who's listening who like wants to know. It's at Saturday. It's at three p.m. Eastern. Right. Um, because it's in London. Right. So it's that's kind. Yeah, next week, man, we are going to have a loaded wrestling show for you guys. Forbidden Door and Money in the Bank. Man, Money in the Bank better deliver or else it's going to shit the bed compared to this Forbidden Door card. So they better deliver on yeah. some good results. The latter are is what it is. But yeah, I was going to say, didn't want to say right. it, but yeah. The results yeah, better be okay. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, speaking of results here, so we yeah. can get into... Uh, first match here, you got Cody Rhodes and Dominic Mysterio. Man, and uh, in the most throwaway yeah. thing you can do. So, oh my uh, gosh! I listen. If if you are a fan of the Judgment Day, which I am, if you enjoy the fact that Dominic Mysterio seems to be getting booed out of the freaking building, not the worst sure. thing, right? Cody's super over. Dominic super over in the opposite way. I get the um wanting to kind of shine Dominic here, but I mm-hmm. really feel like this needs to be a Cody Rhodes year. Right. And mm-hmm. especially if we're going back to him at mania against Roman, it, this just feels like it's like, Oh, so we went from Roman to Brock. Well, actually we went from Seth to Roman to Brock to Dominic Mysterio. I don't really understand how we made mm-hmm. that. Um, This one was definitely one. This is the first time where I went. So that's where we're going, huh? That yeah. this is what we're doing with Cody. All right. Well, let's kick some tires until Brock's ready to come back the week after the Money in the Bank, so we can. Yeah, he's. I, I heard. Summer. Yeah, his. He's he's coming on that. Uh, I think there's like every week on Raw. I think yeah. he's scheduled to appear. I think it's like the second, the twelfth, and the twenty-first or something. Right. So yeah, you're getting you know every other week of Brock to feud that up with Cody at yeah. SummerSlam. There. Um. Yeah. This match, I just. It's one of those where everyone who wants to make the argument of, yeah, Cody should Cody should lose. So I have to climb the mountain. I go, if Dominic Material's your mountain, <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, like he's base camp. He he's just got to the you know. Yeah, he's a quarter. I guess he. I, I mean, I was gonna say he he had to beat up Lesnar just to that, and he's not afraid of Lesnar. <laughs> just to just to get to Dominic Mysterio is crazy. It's even like like you, you could argue even like Ray or something because yeah, he's a right. former world champ, you know, right, one of the right. best ever or something. It's like it's Dominic. It's like okay, yeah. Sure. I think I mean? like, I thing, though, see it. to to defend this match of in the one percent of it that I can, I do think this match is actually gonna be really good. 
I, I do th- too. I think I yeah. think I think Dom is really going to shine here. I think Cody's going to make him look like a million bucks. And I think the crowd, if this opens, this this could be a match that opens for me. I know usually they like to stagger the women's and the men's, like they like mm-hmm. to you know bookend those. But I feel like this match in particular, because they're going to be in the UK, the crowd's going to be hot. We know that absolutely. Yeah. So because of that, though, I feel like man, if Cody's music hits. That place is going to lose it, and then Dominic's mysterious hit, and the people are going to boo him out of the building. They're going to stand there for 10 minutes, and they're not going to touch because they're just going to boo the shit out of Dominic. Yeah. That's the amount of heat he has. So maybe the crowd will help this match digest sure. a little bit easier, hopefully. Yeah. I don't disagree, and and Cody gets the win here. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I thought that was assumed. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I just, you just have to say yeah. it just in case. Yeah, exactly. Um, Is there any... So, is there any way that Lesnar shows up here to inter- not inter- I mean, not interfere in cost, obviously, but like I mean, I could see it. I'm mean, honestly, I could see Brock comes out, hits an F five, uh, and Dominic pins him, and the, you know what that does too. And maybe that might even be the right call, right? It doesn't really hurt Cody because you know you're going back into the feud with Brock anyway, and you give Dominic a signature win like that. I don't necessarily know if it's the worst call in the world because he's already got so much heat, and now we can go, dude. I beat Cody Rhodes. Right, mm-hmm. that's not the worst thing in the world. And if you're trying to build Dominic in the, you know, a, a middle up of the upper tier heel, I don't know. I wouldn't be upset by it because I know we're just going to to rock anyway next month. It yeah. doesn't like offend me as bad as it, I feel like it will other people because people are gonna go, oh man, Cody lost to Dominic. How is he gonna beat Roman? I go, yeah, but if Brock goes in and kills him, then that's your out. You know, so yeah, exactly. I think Cody should win, um, and then Brock comes out and beats the shit out of him, right? Yeah, Just sure. That, that's what I think too. That's but. what I hope will happen, but I won't be shocked if they give Dominic a quote unquote signature win. Yeah, I think this match is insignificant knowing that Lesnar comes yes. up next, like yes. you said, and so it's like. If he loses, but then beats Brock at SummerSlam, I and think that back. Dominic thing just kind of goes away. It's fine, exactly. especially if, especially if we're talking, you know, you know, dog collar or you know, yes. uh, bull rope or something, where it's like it's not a cheap one. It's like he beats Lesnar. I don't think the Dominic one means anything at that. No, point. it doesn't, right? And that's that's the thing, right? Is you, you, as a babyface, right? You can always get that back, right? You can have the rematch on Raw where he beats him in four minutes. Like, there's a million different ways you can book it, but having a young guy like Dominic getting a win over an established top guy like Cody, you go, holy shit. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, we can hit the, we'll do uh ladder matches that made of that last. So we'll yeah, actually right. get the world title match here. So we got Seth Rollins defending against Finn Balor here. Um, obviously, you know, Seth probably with the win here, oh, yeah. uh, but expecting like the AJ match in the in the finals last month at Night of Champions, expecting a banger of a match here. I, I really hope they get some time. I really do. I think they're trying as hard as they can to put Finn back in that main event's, you know, featured spot. Um, I really hope that that's what they can deliver on, quite frankly. I hope Finn shines out. Listen, I don't know. How, I don't know how you feel about this. If they decided to go and say, hey, Finn wins here, I, it's not going to happen because he just won the damn thing. But like mm-hmm. if they decided to kind of pull up, Oh, you didn't see that one coming at all. Did you Yeah. I don't necessarily know if I'd be upset by it. Yeah. Especially knowing that you'd probably get the rematch of SummerSlam. When we get a fence yes. match at SummerSlam. Yes. I wouldn't hate it. Not the worst I mean, right? in yeah. the UK too. Right. He's, I know he's not from the UK, but like, you know, he's going to have home field advantage. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I think the Judgment Day is starting to get even more steam, which I think is impressive considering I think they've had a pretty solid run up until now. Sure. You know, Rhea's the women's champ. You know, Priest is in the money in the bank. Man, imagine you somehow leave here where it's like, okay, you've got Dominic pulls off an upset over, you know, Cody. Rhea's, you know, still Raw Women's or the World Heavyweight Women's Champion. Maybe Damian Priest wins money in the bank and Finn's the world champion. And you go, holy shit, what do you do? You know, mm-hmm. that's a whole of a sudden now that stable went from being just above average to you're the fucking show. It's yeah, very, literally. it's very likely it could happen. So, I mean, I think Seth wins. It's too early to, to, to swap it here. But if they did swap it and to kind of go like, aha, you didn't see it coming. You're not going to hear me complain about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, women's money in the bank ladder match here. So we got officially in here. Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, Bailey. Hero Sky, Zelina Vega, and Zoe Stark officially in this match. Um, man, where do you go on a winner here? I feel like this field is like open but not open at the same time. I feel like like having Trish, Becky, and Zoe all in this match is like three people. I it's like they almost cancel each other, but one of them could slide in to win at the last second. Um, uh, well, I think Becky don't need it. Yeah, and they also yeah no one. I mean, if you're going to do Becky and uh, Trish at SummerSlam more than likely, you don't really need Bunny in the Bank for them either. Um, I think this kind of just lands in Hero Sky, yep, in my opinion. Yep, I, I don't think there's, I mean, I don't think Bailey really needs it. She could win it, obviously, but she doesn't need to win it. And Selena Vega, I think, is just kind of there to be a sixth person. Yeah, I, I'm I'm heavily leaning towards EO Sky here. I think it makes the most sense. I don't think Zoe Stark at this point is ready for it either. If she's mm-hmm. gonna be the heater for Trish, let her stay with Trish. Let her let her establish herself, and then you can kind of get, especially with Rhea on Raw being the women's champion right now. It doesn't really make any sense to have her carrying that around because Rhea's over. Let let Rhea do her thing right now. Um, I think it's fine. I think it kind of shakes out to be EO and Bailey kind of going for it. EO wins. And that's where we see the turn damage mm-hmm. control breaks up. And then we have probably a feud, maybe even for the briefcase between EO and Bailey, where Bailey really gets EO over heavily as a baby face. And then we build to, okay, EO and Rhea. I think could be a barn burner where you go, oh shit, that's a that's a main event I'm, in the world. I was gonna say that, or you can you can go the other way and go Eero and Asuka and just right. run something exactly. like that. And exactly, a um, if, if you if you want to do more of a Rhea versus like Charlotte Bianca, you know right. those kind of people, yep. you can run kind of like a a lesser extent. I have Asuka and Eero. If Eero wins and she goes on a kind of like a rampage of people. I think she really impressed some people against Bianca a couple months ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that she's, I think the fans are ready for her back to being a good guy again. You know, I Mm -hmm. think she's ready. I think it's time. I think Dakota Kai getting hurt kind of went, okay, it's probably time now. Right. Like Mm -hmm. all the signs are there. Let's go. And I think Bailey's going to make her a star. So. Yeah. All right. The men's money in the bank ladder match. Let's take a deep breath here on this one because. Michael Merkel did not get very happy on this one. I didn't, um, I didn't either. So we have, you know, people. So let's put asterisks here. People who qualified for the match. <laughs> we so we had Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, LA Knight, Santos Escobar, Butch, and Damian Priest qualified for this match. Mm-hmm. And then Logan Paul kind of showed up on Raw and said, "Hey, that looks cool. Can I join that?" And everyone was like, "I guess." Mm-hmm. And he's also the seventh guy. So no qualifying or anything. Okay, so So, pause real fast. I want to ask you this question. Sure. Is this the first time in a long time, in your opinion, where the money in the bank briefcase feels like everybody in this match 
you could easily say, okay, they, you'd be outside. I'm going to take Logan Paul out for just a second. Okay. Take him mm-hmm. out. Everybody else in this match, it feels like, okay, if that person wins, you go, okay, like new face in, in the top echelon of the company for a while. Right. Like every single person in this, I feel like I would be okay with, I'm going to put mm-hmm. Ricochet at the bottom of that list. Cause he can't talk. I was going to say, but, I was gonna say he he's probably the only one. Yeah. Um, and Santos Escobar for me personally would be like, yeah, that's not like great above either. Ricochet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone else, especially if Butch won, it went back to the Pete Dunn thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then the other three, yeah, no, no yeah. doubt about it. I just feel when, like when this is problem. what the Money in the Bank ladder match should be. I don't want a bunch of former world champions in this damn thing, right? I want a bunch of guys who are you can it, it's your guy, right? Okay, my guy's Shinsuke, my guy's Butch, my guy's I want my guy who I feel like is not getting an opportunity. Okay, he's in Money in the Bank. Oh shit, maybe he's got a chance. And I I like the booking of the of the guys that are in this match. I thought were all really good picks for a whole bunch of different reasons. I dig mm-hmm. it. Now we yes. throw Logan Paul in there and we piss all over that idea because they hate me. Um, I still think it needs to be LA night. I think there's definitely sure. going to be a moment where everybody's down and Logan Paul's climbing up that ladder and the people are going to lose their freaking mind, myself included. Um, I hope to God they don't do that. It would just kill so much ill will for me. It doesn't make sense. There's no story there. I get it. Okay. He's going to go face Seth. That sucks. That sucks, and I don't want it. I think it yeah. needs to be LA Knight here. I think he's, I think he's the most over guy. I think people are with him, and I think mm-hmm. he could go to either show when it works. Yep. And I do with the with the rumor coming out of the cash in happening at a big show like a SummerSlam right. or a Rumble right. or something. Right. I do think LA Knight how over he's been mm-hmm. when that music hits and everyone realizes yes. Rollins down yes. and LA Knight's walking out. Right. I think it's going to be a big moment. Uh, I just, I whatever show it is. I'm trying to pray and try to be like, I'm trying to give WWE enough credit to go. There's no way you can put your world title on an actor. There's mm-hmm. no way you can put the world title on a guy who's not a full timer. Who's not even from the industry. Mm-hmm. You're really going to do that to the world yeah. championship or your W. I mean, it's not going to be on Roman. If they did it on Roman, I, I'll, I'll stop watching forever, but if they honestly did that, I, I, right there. I like, that. like I if they really, if they really wanted to, do, like, here's the thing. If, if he came out and beat Austin theory tomorrow, fine, done, sold the amount of celebrities or legends that have held tag titles or mid card championships for a week, whatever. I, I could care less that, that I can see making some sense, not your world championship. I'm sorry. There's just something different. I know it's a prop. I know it's all just a means of storytelling. There's no good way you tell me after Logan Paul were to cash in on Seth Rollins and win the title after the initial shock of, oh, my God, Logan Paul is the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, that immediately you go, okay, now what? Now what? Because now what you're doing is you went, I fucking don't like – you're basically slapping your fans in the face. Because yeah. you go, okay, everybody, all your favorites that work and are here every single week couldn't give a shit less about this guy because he's going to get us a bunch of hits on YouTube. Yeah. Well, then, and having having come out and saying the world title is going to be the, the workhorse title, right. and then giving it to a guy a who's a celebrity who's going to show up the next time at the Rumble is not necessarily the greatest look out there. Having no. both world champions show up to, like, one in every seven shows is not going to be the best look, but, you know. No. 
No, especially when you know Roman's basically got the title until Mania. So it's, yeah, exactly. that's and that's what I mean. Like yeah. if Roman was about to lose his title at SummerSlam to Cody, right, right, we could talk about it. Yeah. He's not going to. So I don't know. Do you have anybody else in this horse, or do you think it's LA Knight? Basically, I, did, I mean, as, I've been pretty much thing. on the I've been pretty much on the LA Knight train. Um, I think Dark Horse. I wouldn't mind Shinsuke run at it. I would love um, Shinsuke run at it. I'm just trying not to put my hopes on it because every time they do, they crush my dreams. So yeah. Um, outside of that, I don't think anyone else is really ready yeah. yet or hot enough yet. I really think Damian Priest in a year could be, depending mm-hmm. on where he's at and how they position him. Um, I dig that one a little bit. That's why here's another thing, too. The Finn thing, I know it's I, it's probably heavily favored for Seth, but if Finn won and you wanted to tease a babyface turn for Damian Priest and Finn, that's not the mm-hmm. worst story in the world, like going into like a rumble or something. You yeah, know, it's not the worst thing in the world, so. But yeah, I, I'm praying that LA Knight get it. Shinsuke is definitely my second. Um, wouldn't hate Butch. Wouldn't hate uh, Damian Priest as well. Um, yeah. Santos, Ricochet, obviously Logan Paul. Those three guys are kind of like, oof. But uh, I, any of the other guys, I'll be okay with. Yeah. And then main event time, um, which is going to be main event, so we'll just say main event time. Yeah. Um, after an absolute banger of a segment on Friday, like two oh weeks ago. Yeah. Uh we have this tag team match. Oh my I will God. give I will give credit. The storyline's been like dragging on for God yeah. knows how long. Right. When, when, but Jake going, Yeah, you're out, I'm out too. Oh my banger God. line, banger oh, line. Oh, oh that was so that was good. a banger line. So good. <laughs> I wish I didn't love it as much as I yeah. did, but it was such a right? banger line. Well, because you're like, oh my god, like man, he's like they're like he agreed with him. He's like, Yeah, you're really not gonna I don't really think you can be the next guy in line and shit. And then like yeah. like, oh my god, like man, they're really because in my mind I got scared where I was like, Man, we're really gonna drag this out. Like, yeah, are we gonna get Jimmy versus Roman? Ugh, that's yeah. not what anybody wants. Yeah, no, that 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 drop. I wish I wish it would have been like an extra like 10 second wait though. Yeah. Just yeah. really like like yeah, you're out. And just like kind of wait and look at the yeah. crowd for a second, like, right. like have the crowd reaction, be like, no, no, you're out too. But yeah. I mean, it was as great of a segment as you can get there. I mean, saying I'm out too and just super kicking, yeah, awesome, love it, loved it. Crowd was, that was very good. so hot, you know. And these guys, it, it, here's the here's why I think the Usos are on another level from a tag team perspective, too. You have this amazing run as heel tag team champions, longest run, you know, ever in history, and now. You could make the argument right now that coming out of this too, now they're going to be fucking, they're going to be the biggest baby faces ever coming out of this now where it's like anything they touch is going to turn to gold all over again. And now they're just going to be baby faces for the next year. And you're just going to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, sounds good. This is awesome. I just, it's, it's quite amazing that they can leverage the, these guys as much as they are. So this should be a great match, by the way. Yeah, so we got the tag match, uh, Roman and Solo taking on Usos, Jay and Jimmy. Um, I don't think it necessarily matters who wins here. I'm not necessarily I'm fascinated. I what think we're going to get to the SummerSlam. I, I think, th- like yeah, I think lock, but I think you're. I think the four is probably coming. Um, I am. I. I mean, I'm imagining that Solo takes the pin. Yeah. Um. Right. So like basically coming. Yeah. I think the only way the four way doesn't come is if you like shock everyone and after a whole bunch of, you know, right. bloodline interference and everything, if somehow Jay gets a pin on Roman or something right. in this tag, I think that's the only way you get to a singles with Jimmy or Jay. Right. Um, but I would take the hard guess, put the money down that it's probably gonna be um Jimmy or probably Jimmy 
storyline wise probably pins solo right. and then it leads to you let me down you're yeah. gonna help me against them and then you do the four away probably right right i yeah i am fascinated with what they're gonna do and that's why i you know I do think at times it's dragged on, but man, this story with the amount of layers it has where you just, you're lit. It, I've never seen a storyline where you went from one guy to, okay. Then he feuded with Jay, right? That mm-hmm. was the first big feud Roman had when he turned heel to Jay's with him. And now Jimmy's here and the, now they got the tag titles and now they're running SmackDown for like six months. Oh, and now solos here. Oh, okay. And now we've gonna have this run of dominance as the unified tag champs and the world champ for three manias. And now yeah. we're seeing the dissolution of it piece by piece. It's not just like, oh, we just kicked one guy out and we're gonna run the roost for the next six months. No, no. This is a methodical teardown of the same program of the same faction that has dominated your television screens for the last two years. Mm-hmm. I just think it's fascinating how they've been able to maintain. And add enough wrinkles, you know. Sami Zayn is really the MVP here, low key of the whole thing. Like, yeah, I think this, I think this, I think this, this storyline is done about a year ago. Yeah, if Sami's not in there, Agreed. like I think Sam, Sammy added three yeah. or four extra legs to the race here. Yes, um, just by himself. Yeah, um, I. But yeah, no, I, I, I think, yeah, very good. Um, I, I again, I don't think the winner. I guess the winner matters in the sense of. If Roman wins or loses, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think, I think Solo and I think the Usos win almost no matter what. Right. I think the only thing that really matters here is who takes the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say more likely than not, Solo takes it. I yeah. do think if they really want to do a J Roman, you could yeah. get after a whole bunch of random interference and everything, you could get the J pin on yeah. like you right. know after seventeen right. shots of whatever, mm-hmm. or you know Solo accidentally spikes Roman. Hits the double spot, you know. what I mean, like a whole right. bunch of random stuff right. can happen where yeah. Roman obviously doesn't look weak in the loss, but uh, just gets ass kicked for like thirty hits or whatever, and right. then you know takes takes the loss. Yeah, if Solo somehow accidentally, I could see a finish. I'm glad you brought that up. Where Solo accidentally hits Roman with a Samoan spike, kicks Roman out of the ring, double super kick, double splash into the pan, and they lose. Right. So now it's like, well, you hit me, right? You messed up, and because of that. Now you take the fall, and now we're rolling, and it's like, okay, Solo's sure. gonna have his moment, right, where he turns, and then we're just like, okay, now it's this, and and you just keep rolling with it. Um, yeah, I dig it, I dig it. I yes. I think the Fatal Four Way, I think I was pretty ahead of my time on that a little bit, where I was like, I think that's where they could go at SummerSlam, where I think you mm-hmm. could make it feel big enough without having to force feed him somebody that you know for a fact has no shot. At least their story involved, very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Gonna definitely be the main event. I think it should be the main event. I think it's the best thing going that they have. Right, they've basically been surviving on one on one storyline for the past two years. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really been that. So that that and Cody coming back has really helped them. Yeah, quite literally, a bit. are the two things they got them through last year. So yeah, exactly. All right, that's it for Money in the Bank, Mike. Let's shift focus one last time. Let's talk NFL AFC North positional rankings, Mike. Um. You want to give them an overview real fast of last year uh, of what we did and kind of what we're going to be doing for this next couple of weeks. Yeah. So, so every week um, we choose a random division. Uh, so we're going to start with the AFC teams. Last year we started with the NFC teams because we did the North first 
this year we said we don't care when we do the north so we'll just do the north whenever and so we got to the afc uh we randomized the team so each week we are going to uh pick a random division and go through positional uh uh rankings so we're gonna start with quarterbacks go to running backs wide receivers d-line linebackers pass rush grade all of them on a scale like what rank them one two three four in the division and then rank the overall offensive defense. And then we're going to come up with a winner um, by pure players right. on the team, awesome. not by scheme or anything, just by the roster breakdown, who has the best roster in the division. And then after four or five weeks-ish, we're going to find out the best team in the conference. And then we're going to do the NFC, same thing. And then by uh, playing, hopefully if we plan this out correctly, by like the week before the season starts, we're going to have our AFC champ and NFC champ of rosters. And then compete them against each other to see who we think have the best overall roster in the yep. NFL today. Yep. I'm very excited. This should be a lot yeah. of fun. I think last year, I think we had the Ravens win overall. I think it was yeah. like Ravens and Packers, I think, or something like that. Could have been close. So, yeah. yeah, something like that. It was either Packers or Niners. I think, I think it was one of the two. Um, yep. So, I think the Ravens won overall because their roster is absolutely insane every year. So, we'll see if they can defend here. So, mm-hmm. I have all the rosters up here. And uh, we will start with the quarterback spot. So obviously, um, and we we usually do only starters here. We're not going to go through all yeah. you know nineteen backups here. We're going to do projected starters off of ourlads.com. So as of the the eighteenth, these rosters are updated. So you know, not yeah, no, the draft is done. Free agency for the most part's done. Right, we kind of know the percent of starters. I know, I know, cuts haven't happened, but there's no major star that's going to get cut who's projected to like be a starter, starter on any team anymore that's going to get cut. Yeah. So we'll start with quarterbacks here. So obviously, Baltimore re-signing Lamar Jackson. Yep. Um, Cincinnati obviously has Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow on their team. <laughs> uh, Cleveland Browns have Deshaun Watson on their Mr. team. Mr. Touchy Feely. Mr. Touchy Feely. <laughs> And the Pittsburgh Steelers have Mr. Second-Year Quarterback Kenny Cathaniel Pickett on their team. <laughs> All right, Mike, you're the you're the resident quarterback of the team here. What do you got? I think yeah, I can. So, I think I can predict it. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think. I mean, if, if we listen to each other any amount of time, this was probably not too difficult. Uh, we actually just came out with our quarterback rankings like two, three weeks ago here. So basing it off of that, uh, I'm going Joe Burrow one, Baltimore or sorry, Lamar Jackson two. Yep. Uh, Deshaun Watson three, Kenny Pickett four. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't have any arguments with that. I think that's pretty the the one of the most straightforward ones you could possibly have here. Sorry, yeah. I know people are like, what? I, I I don't know how at this point you can't say Joe Burrow is not a top two quarterback in the NFL. Sorry, yeah. can't say it. All right, so running back time. So Baltimore Ravens they have uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati has maybe Joe Mixon and Trayvon <laughs> Williams. I'll put the maybe in there, but I'm pretty sure he'll be there. Yeah. Um, Cleveland obviously has Nick Chubb and uh, Jerome Ford. This is their second. And Pittsburgh has Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. As oh, really two. good rooms, man. Really good rooms. Yeah. So I think uh, number one, I don't think is that hard. I think Nick Chubb. Yeah, Nick Chubb. We can pretty much best. agree is yeah. best one and really. probably the best room out there. So uh, Nick Chubb would be one. Um, I would personally have... Um, I think I would have Cincinnati four. Really? Do you think that's hot take alert? I, I, th- this is tough because, you know, looking at it, the problem is I think I like JK Dobbins 
more than when he's actually productive, if that makes any sense. Right? I like, do too. And, and I, I, mean? I think when you accompany Gus Edwards, I think it's right. a little better than Mixon and yeah, Trayvon Williams. Guys. Yeah, right. Or, no, or Chase Brown or whoever right. you want. Chris no, Evans. Yeah, no Samaj P. Ryan there, you know. Um, and you're just like, man, you know, Najee was okay for them, right? Like, but he's going to get a lot of touches. Yeah, Joe Mixon's tough. He didn't have a great year last year, in my opinion, right? I, I thought he was just there. Um, mm-hmm. So who do you have second? Do you have Baltimore second? I have, I have Baltimore because I like Dobbins okay. and Edwards probably on like like yeah. fives or sixes right. over guys who have one really good, and then like after that yeah. it's kind of rough. So mm-hmm. I think I would go personally Cleveland one, Baltimore two, Pittsburgh three, Cincinnati four. Um, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that action. I think that's fair. Yeah, like yeah. I said, I, 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 I don't, I, 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 don't think two through four are necessarily wide margins, but no. I think I prefer the, the two, yeah, good to one really good, and then the other ones being bad. Like the depth, I think helps out that spot. I think one is the is the one where I think people are going to be like, well, it's Nick Chubb, and then who else? But Nick Chubb basically got uh, uh, Kareem Hunt released because he's so good. Like they just yeah, like, literally <laughs> so. Yeah. It, yeah, they don't need to split carries because it's literally just you. So yeah, it's... exactly. So he's a stud. Um, yeah, I can stick with that. Like I said, I think I like the idea of J.K. Dobbins more than he what he's actually been, you know, productivity wise for Baltimore. But Gus Edwards is like, if you're looking for like the best possible backup back you can have, you know, he's basically a mm-hmm. starter for them. So yeah. All right, wide receiver room. So we'll go top three and then maybe a fourth if I like. There's one guy I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. he's really good too. Right, right. All right. Uh, Baltimore. We got Odell Beckham. Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, and I'll throw Devin Duvenay in there because I think he can be pretty good. Uh, Cincinnati, I think uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland, Amari Cooper, Donald Peoples Jones, Elijah Moore, yeah. and Pittsburgh has Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robertson the third, and uh, I'll I'll add Hakeem Butler because he played on the XFL on the panel. Oh, so we yeah. gotta get that That'll hawk up, baby. Uh, but there's not much chance. Um, so I think this is since the easiest won. one since he's won. <laughs> their their top three are absolutely insane. Yeah. I think Pittsburgh is actually four. Pittsburgh is four. I don't think so. I think Baltimore's four. Odell, Rashad, and Zay Flowers. Yeah, I think so. George, Pickens, you, you think? I think George Pickens and Deontay Johnson are better than any combination they have. Than okay. Because here's here's the reason why I say that. Sure. Odell hasn't played in two years. Zay Flowers is a rookie. Rashad Bateman's slow. You know what I mean? Like that, that's that that's kind of my I guess where I'm at with it, right? Is I, I just I think on paper, like I think in Madden they'd be really good. I just don't mm-hmm. know on like George Pickens was the reason why they were able to get rid of Chase Claypool because they were just like, okay, he's taking the job. Deontay Johnson is a solid, you know, intermediate guy. Mm-hmm. Um, their third option is not great, but I think I think Baltimore's still four though. Okay, and then so I guess would you say Pittsburgh three and then Cleveland two? Then or do you do you like Pittsburgh think, more than I Cleveland? Pittsburgh, I like Pittsburgh's more. I I, I think that Amari Cooper's good, but. Donovan Peoples Jones, Elijah Moore, two guys that haven't done a whole lot. I think Pittsburgh, crazily enough, actually may be second. And I think actually, I think Baltimore's three, and I think Pitts or Browns are four. The Browns okay. don't have I think Amari Cooper is good, not great, and they don't have anything sure. behind him. I mean, I, I'm I'm low on 
a little lower on Pittsburgh, but I could see yeah. Cleveland being four. Um, yeah. I think I think we have a clear one. Yeah, and then I think we have like a like everything else. I think is kind of up to debate here. Um, Let me put it this way: I don't think any of these receiving cores outside of Cincinnati are game changers, right? Like I don't no, think no. they have one guy where you go, "Holy shit, that dude's awesome." Um, yeah, Cincinnati clearly does. They they have yeah. they have two guys really that are really really good, and then Tyler yeah. Boyd is a great third. Um, oh, I just, absolutely. I'm just looking at from what I saw last year. I think George Pickens actually showed that he could play. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe it's because you know Lamar was hurt, so I don't really know what Rashad Bateman can do. But like, I've not been overly impressed. And the fact that Baltimore had to go sign Odell to what they signed him for, and he hasn't played in two years, that's a tough stretch for me to ask them just to all of a sudden be really good. Sure. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll run into the tight end room and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll do these yeah. overall ones. So right. we'll, we'll get there. Uh, tight end room here. So Baltimore, obviously you got Mark Andrews. Uh, that speaks for itself. Uh, Cincinnati has Irv Smith Jr. from Minnesota and Drew Sample, um, who was there a couple years ago. Uh, the Browns have David Nojoku. And Jordan Atkins and Pittsburgh has Pat Fryermuth and Zach Gentry and Darnell Washington, who they drafted. Yeah, those are those are all pretty solid rooms, at least at the start. Where I mean, I think Mark Andrews is clearly one. Yeah, I think Mark Andrews just by himself is like a yeah. Nick Chubb, where I don't yeah. care how deep your room is, Mark Andrews is pretty much one there. Exactly. Um, I think your position. <laughs> yeah, literally. I think Cincinnati's four. Um, yeah, I think the other two spots have. Um, a star at tight end. And I think Cincinnati with Irv Smith as their best one is um, lacking there. And then I think it's kind of David Njoku or uh, actually I would have Pittsburgh at two. Cause I think Pat Farmer with Zach Gentry with Darnell Washington, I think it's a better overall group than just David Njoku and yes. Jordan Atkins and Harrison Bryant. Or something. Uh, yeah. I'm good with that. I, I would agree with that. I think the conversation would be different if they still had Austin Hooper, but they don't. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, offensive lines, and then we'll rank offenses here. So, uh, from left to left tackle to right tackle here for Baltimore, we got Ronnie Stanley, we got Malasala Lalalu, who was drafted in the sixth round of this past year's draft at left guard, Yikes. Tyler Lindenbaum, Kevin Sider, and Morgan Moses as your starting offensive line there. Um, yeah, it's okay, not great, but you know, what you do, Ronnie Stanley. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Cincinnati with the overhaul of the offensive line here. They got uh, Orlando Brown Jr. at left tackle, Porter Wilson at left guard, Ted Karras at center, Alex Kappa at right guard, and Jonah Williams at right tackle, with Leo Collins as a you know extra piece there. Yeah, um, they kind of can move in. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he's not. But yeah. uh, Cleveland here, we got Jedrick Wills Jr., Joel uh, Bitonio, Ethan Pockick, uh, Wyatt Teller, and Jack Conklin. Very good. Love yeah. And Pittsburgh, you got Broderick Jones, who was drafted in the first round of this past year's draft. Isaac uh, Samalio from Philly, Mason Cole, James Daniels, and Chukugua Okafor. Mm. Right there. So uh, when going through these, I kind yeah. of felt Cleveland Pittsburgh's was like a clear one, yeah, in my four. opinion. Pittsburgh's four. And I think Pittsburgh's four, yes. Um, I think I cut. I was kind of feeling Cincy at two. I really like Orlando Brown, and I like their right side. I still think that some of their interior play could do some work. Right. Yeah. I. I yeah. I'm but I, I. I like their tackle. Mm-hmm. Oh, we lost Mike's audio for a second here. Apologies, ladies and gentlemen. 
We'll wait for Mike to get back. Two here. in Baltimore, three here. Say that one more time, Mike. We lost you there for a second. Sorry. Uh, so I would have Cleveland one. Yep. Cincy two, Baltimore yep. three, and Pittsburgh four. Yep. Me too. I have that okay. locked. Yep. Okay. Um. All right. So hitting these overall, then. Um. How we? So I think the feel I have. I think Pittsburgh's four offensively. Um, I think they've had, you know, the worst quarterback play. I think worst offensive line play. Um, They have – I don't think they actually have won in any of the categories we've gone through. Um, So I think they're pretty clear four here, in my opinion. Um, The other three are tough. I think Cleveland's actually probably three. Again, with the quarterback play, wide receiver play is not necessarily up there, even though they do have good tight end, great – number one running back in a good offensive line. I think Cleveland's still probably three. Yeah. Um, so I guess it kind of comes down to do we like Baltimore overall or Cincinnati overall? Mm-hmm. I lean Cincinnati at one overall. Corbett yep. um, play and overall play, wide receiver and offensive line were all highly ranked. Um, so uh, I'm leaning Cincy one, Baltimore two, Cleveland three, Pittsburgh four on the offensive side. Yeah, it's tough for me because it's like you look at the two glaring holes like – the problem is Cincinnati's ranked four probably in our running back ranking, but it's still a pretty solid guy, right? Like Joe makes yeah. it still very versatile. Um, and their tight end room is not great. But when you have three wide receivers, you don't necessarily need to lean as much on the tight end position. Um, yeah, I think it comes down to at the end of the day, I think because it's a clear I think it's a pretty massive gap in the places where they're really good. Right. Like quarterback play and wide receiver, I think, is a clear in a far away like runaway for them. And that's why I think I lean Cincinnati. I think the quarterback play is just so much better. Um, and I think the wide receiver play is just so much better. I, I think those are the two things where it's like, yeah, they're going to run the ball and that's fine. But when Joe Burrow puts up five touchdowns and five drives, how are you going to respond, Lamar? You're not going to have time to run the ball every play. You're going to have yeah. to do something. So, um, yeah, I think I've got Cincinnati one, Baltimore two, uh, Pittsburgh three, Cleveland four. What happened, okay. man? Remember when you talked about Cleveland as all these guys on their roster, and you're like, damn, this is like a Madden team. Yeah. And nothing. So say, actually, uh, wait till the defense, because they have some, they have some yeah. main defensive guys yeah. there. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, defensive side. So we, we usually only do three sections here, right? So we do defensive line size, pass rush, linebackers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Defensive backs, right? So, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this yeah. one usually is a little uh, faster. Um, all right. So we got uh, Baltimore, who runs a four-three. Uh, so yeah. we'll run through these. We'll so, just go okay. with who's who. If you're designated as a linebacker, right? We list okay. you as a linebacker. So if you if sure. they're listed as an outside linebacker, I get it. it people will understand if they're it's a pass rush or not. But if they're listed as an outside linebacker, they're in the linebacking group. Sure. Okay. That that helps a lot. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore D-line here, we got just, uh, Justin Matabuke, Michael Pierce, Roderick Washington, and Odafe Owe mm-hmm. as their defensive line with uh, David Ojabo. It's kind of just there because he was yeah, a Michigan kid. He's going to be a starter, but he's going to be a starter pretty soon. Cincinnati, you got Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader, BJ Hill, and Trey Hendrickson on That's your defensive really line. D-line. That's a really good D-line. Cleveland, we got Miles Garrett, Jordan Elliott, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Zadarius Smith. Oof. And then Pittsburgh, we got uh, let's see, Larry uh, Ojanubi, yeah, Ojanubi, thank you, uh, Keanu Benton, Cameron Hayward, um, and that's technically it because TJ Watt's gonna be on an outside linebacker. So, okay, um, that's your D line, but I mean you can count 
if you know TJ Watt's yeah. gonna be rushing, so you yeah, can pound yeah, him yeah. in there if you want. But right. he's listed as left outside linebacker. Right. So uh how are we feeling here? Um I like I kinda I think, like I think Baltimore's I like, four. Baltimore's four, absolutely. Yep. Um I think Pittsburgh's three. Yep, Even with TJ, I think yep. I think as overall, I think the yep. other two were better. Cleveland, Cincy, man, they're both yeah, that's not really a lot tough. of weak spots there. That's really tough. I think um, like, I think I lean Cleveland because of Miles Garrett. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I was actually leaning Cincinnati, but I think it's more recency bias because I saw the damage that they did. Um, playoffs, yeah, yeah, where I was like, and especially like in the Super Bowl too, right? Like Hendrickson was a difference maker for them, right? Um, but yeah, I, I'll lean. Yeah, I think overall, when I feel like they have the one guy in the whole group where you go, Miles Garrett, we need to play today. It's Miles mm-hmm. Garrett. So yeah, I'll give you Cleveland yeah. one, Cincy two, Pittsburgh three, Baltimore four. Baltimore four. Cool. Yeah. All right, linebacker time. So we got um, Baltimore here. We got Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, Tyrus Bowser at linebacker. Pretty good. Cincinnati. We got Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, two linebackers because they run five uh, five defense backs. Right. Uh, Cleveland. We got. Um, uh, I think we lost you again, Mike, for a second there. We'll have to wait for Mike to get back on call. Sorry about that, guys. We are doing this on the fly. Hopefully he can hear us here in a second. Okay, Mike, sorry about that. Go back. You're, you were We lost you at Cleveland linebackers. Okay, Cleveland linebackers. We got JOK, Anthony Walker Jr., uh, just two of them. Okay. And then Pittsburgh here, we got TJ Watt, Cole Holmcomb, Eldon Roberts, and Alex Highsmith. Okay. All right, cool. Um, um, how are we feeling? I think I think Baltimore's a clear one here. Yep. Um, I don't one. think they have any weekends. That they... Yep, I agree with you there. Um, it's it's, it's a tough one here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I think I would lean Cincinnati again. I think with your thing with the playoff recency bias, yeah. I kind of like what they were doing in the in the playoffs. Even though I really like JOK and Anthony Walker Jr. Right. Um. And Pittsburgh, obviously, when you add T.J. Watt, I think it kind of, you know, since we didn't really include him in the last round mm-hmm. for uh, D-line, I think that's uh, a star-making, you know, right. add, it, like adds a lot of points to the Pittsburgh uh, defense here. So right. um, I'll, I'll take Baltimore 1, Pittsburgh 2, Cincy 3, Cleveland 4, but it's really close in the bottom yeah, three. I'm, I'm okay with that. I think that's fine. I don't really have any issues with that one either. Okay. Yeah, I'll be in line. And then hitting these defensive backs – we're gonna go uh, uh, outside corner, safeties, right side corner. Mm-hmm. Um, when I name these, so we got uh, Baltimore, Rocky Sin, Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, and Marlon Humphrey. Cincinnati, we got Cam Taylor, Britt, Jackson Hill, Nick Scott, and Shadobi Awuzie. Yep. Cleveland, we got Denzel Ward, Grant, uh, Grant Delpit, Juan Thornhill, and Greg Newsom the second. Joey Jr., Devontae Kazi, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Levi Wallace with Patrick Peterson as a as a nickel guy, I guess. I think he might be outside, but what are you gonna do? Um all pretty good defensive back rooms. Mm-hmm. Um I, like I think a lot. I like Baltimore a lot. I don't love Cincinnati from a defensive back perspective. Um I think Cleveland and both Pittsburgh are good because I think they have stars in, in all spots, kind of. Yeah. Um so I actually say since he's four. Baltimore's yeah. probably one. Yeah. 
And then it's kind of do you how, how good do you think Joey Porter is going to be compared to what you know Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom are? Yeah, I think I like Cleveland at two, uh, Pittsburgh at three. Um, sure. Having to have Pat Pete in there, he's old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I don't love their safety play either. I think it's just, I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick's awesome, but after that, it's there's a massive drop off there. A lot of inexperience, I feel like, in some spots um, for them. Um, I like, I just like the fact, I think, I think Cleveland just got a fast of secondary. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? That's a war grand Delphi, those guys, they're fast. So yeah, I, I think they keep up. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, I would uh, 100% agree with that. Baltimore one, Cincinnati four, and then kind of Cleveland, Pittsburgh are close to three. Yeah. I would take Cleveland two, Pittsburgh three. Right. Um. So overall defenses here, I think it's kind of closer. I think we kind of felt Cincinnati kind of pulled away there. Um. I think even though the D line wasn't great, I think that back seven really helped Baltimore. I don't know if it helped enough to get number one in the defensive spot. I think that might go to Cleveland in my eyes. Um. Yeah. As an overall perspective, yeah. but I think Baltimore's up there definitely. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. Well, I don't, I don't think. Cle- I don't think Cleveland was like last in anything for me. I think they're always like, right. if not number one, like two or three and everything. Right. Yeah, I think that their their pass rush is gonna is is not as good. Yeah, I think Cleveland. I would say Cleveland one, Baltimore two. Um, I'm gonna Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh three and four is kind of interchangeable depending on the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of where it's at. Sure. Um, so now looking. Sorry, keep going. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think I think I think it's I think it's really really tough those bottom two. Yeah. So uh, as an overall perspective here, we just ran through all four of these teams' rosters. Uh, how are you feeling knowing all the positions and everything? Where are we feeling the ranking going? I still think Baltimore's probably has the most complete roster. You think so? I still do because they're second in both. You know, sure. right? second in offense, second in defense. Cleveland maybe has a little bit better defense on paper. Their offense is clearly not. I think they're probably. And I think since is probably the opposite of that, where their offense is clearly right. the best, but their defense is probably still lacking on that. Exactly. Um, yeah. I was kind of leaning Cincinnati kind of going into this, yeah. um, but I definitely, you know, Baltimore back seven mm-hmm. with um, the offensive pieces they have. Right. I mean, I think I think it's a fight between Cincinnati and Baltimore here. Yes, I agree. Um, I agree. I think it's just kind of you for more of the offense heavy yep. defense kind of lacking team, or do you like the more complete but has a lot of holes mm-hmm. on both sides? I guess. Yeah. The, um, the hard part is is because you you're we're looking at this objectively from a roster player quality standpoint, and mm-hmm. it's hard to do that when you take a team like Cincinnati where you go. They've been to back-to-back AFC championship games, easily could have been to back-to-back Super Bowls, um, and should and maybe could have even won one, right? It's hard to take the Joe Burrow effect away from this team. But I think sure. what speaks to the strength of Baltimore is they could have won a playoff game last year with uh, Tyler Huntley as their quarterback. Yeah. So the fact could've. that they were in that game and competitive and could have won that game, I think speaks more to them as, as a team – you know, where it's like, hey, look, they still managed to make the playoffs without their best player in Lamar and not a good mm-hmm. wide receiver on that roster. I think that's where the the strength of the of Baltimore comes in. It's like, man, just everywhere, they're just solid. They don't have that one piece where you go, dude, they just can't stop the run. They can't stop the, they don't have any of that. They're always just they're always good. Never oh never yeah. great usually, but they're always good. They're always well coached. 
I think Lamar, if if he's the guy that they think he can be, they're a Super Bowl contending team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Why Baltimore gets the nod here? I think Cincinnati is still probably going to wind up winning the division, but from a mm-hmm. roster standpoint, I don't really think there's any excuses for Lamar. I think he's yeah. got to get it done. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I don't necessarily disagree. Like I said, I think it's either Cincinnati or Baltimore. Yeah. Um, could really sway me either way. Um, but I'll, I can leave, I can leave both more with you. I think overall, um, they're gonna have, is listen whatever Vegas's number is, whether it's nine, ten, whatever it may be, they're gonna be somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. Um, so yeah, I can I, I guess Baltimore AFC North here. There you go. And from a roster construction, right? We'll do our predictions yep. later. But from a roster construction, position group by position group, they have a better roster than every other team in the AFC North yeah. by our rankings. So. Yep. That's going to be it, Mike. Next week, obviously, we'll hit another AFC division. Looking forward to figuring out which one that one's going to be. we got a ton of wrestling going over as well. But that is going to be it for this episode of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. On behalf of the Missing Whaleman, he's the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm the Mouth of Michigan, Rob Medica. We will see you guys, as always, next time.